Welcome one, welcome all to The Tension. I am your host, Mick White. The Tension is a podcast all about putting two theological subjects into right relationship and finding the truth that God desires for His church. It is our hope that the show will be able to reach the lost, equip the saints, and challenge you to think deeper into the things of God for the glory of God. We are thankful and blessed that you have decided to spend some time with us and pray that in some way you will be blessed by our conversation. I am joined with my co-host, as always, with my brother, friend, Pastor Eric Moran. How are you? Today? Doing well, brother. Good. Today on Attention, we will be discussing purpose, chaos, and order. We will be hitting on all three of those things, and I'm excited about this. We've done some research, and I'm putting smart money on it now that this is a two-parter, but it's okay. I love two-parters. I don't know how Eric feels about it, but I love two-parters. You two-parter fan or no? It's all one message. It's all one story. So it's however you want to like, I don't care how many sequels there are. It doesn't bother me. It's the same thing over and over and over again. But uh, anyway, so I'd started this out first by uh, Googling the definitions of order and chaos from a worldview of outside of a right relationship with God. And order is defined as the arrangement or disposition of people or things in relation to each other, according to a particular sequence pattern, or method, and then chaos was defined as complete disorder and confusion. Now, inside of uh, the Logos Bible software that Eric and I use, I also looked for biblical definitions of these two words, and chaos came up as an empty area or space, and order was a role probably occurring with an orderly and hierarchical collection. So my first question is, Brother Eric, how do order and chaos work together inside of the lens of Scripture, or are they forever at odds with each other, like the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light? So the answer is yes. Um, <laughs> by nature, they're two different things. Right. Um, oil and water is how we would say that to where somebody can draw an illustration. That's how my mind works. If mm -hmm. you put oil and water together, they automatically separate because of what makes them what they are. Now, with that said, God says, I'm going to take these two things and I'm going to put them in a relationship. Mm -hmm. Now, in right relationship, without sin, without separation, then even though you're different, you're going to learn to love one another and you're going to learn to live with and for one another. So he takes 12 disciples, all of them different, doesn't tell them they're going to learn to like each other or tolerate each other. He's like, no, you're going to learn to love each other. And with that said, to put just a little bit of understanding in that, like, Simon the Zealot would have killed a Roman to prove his point. Right. And Matthew had sold his allegiance to his people by becoming a Roman tax collector. So they hated each other. Right. Um, with that said, he, he said, no matter where you started in your story, once you take on my story, you're going to learn to love each other no matter how you came in the door. Right. Uh, so in the very beginning, we have the, the darkness that represents the nature of the unknown, the nature of uh chaos which is without order um the, the the void which is a vacuum something that is empty something that can't be full or satisfied and then god says let there be light and, and fills that mm -hmm. so when you see the the opposite of that it means that if it's a void in a vacuum then the fullness is what it's created for and if it's chaos then order would be the answer mm -hmm. and then when we say put in right relationship that means that there's a lesson in the order 
through the chaos. Yes. And there's a lesson of the chaos through the order uh, to where Tob and Ra is what the words are in Hebrew. And and you cannot know good without evil and you can't know evil without good because they form a function of revelation. Right. The relationship is revealing uh, receiving that revelation versus leaning on your own understanding. Right. Uh, one is the, uh, you're the arbiter of truth and one is solely on your shoulders. One is just as changing as you are. Right. Whereas when you looked up that logos definition, it says hierarchy from the very beginning, there has been only one God, one plan without shadow of turning. Doesn't mean the variables of the unknown doesn't change, but it does mean that there's a bedrock. There's a foundation. Right. Um, and then first Corinthians is going to go into the foundation being what Jesus Christ took on flesh to, to make known to us. In yet another way. Right. But uh, as far as looking at that and looking at the beginning of the cycle, I'm actually going to read something that I, I ran across last night that I think helps. And it also helps to have a different voice. But this is out of Boundaries of, for Your Soul. It's a book that I absolutely love. And it says this about anger can feel chaotic as other emotions. The task is to let God help you put boundaries around the chaotic feelings. Hmm. Like in the Old Testament, Prophet Jonah you could become overwhelmed by bitterness. For example, your life spirals into chaos. Right. But just as God contained chaos in the beginning, this starts to grow a love that brings most difficult parts of your soul to be able to find the boundary lines falling in pleasant places like uh, Psalm 16, 6 starts to bring to light. Here's what I've actually got highlighted, though. The book of Genesis teaches that in the beginning, the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. That's Genesis 1, 2 in the ESV. Mm-hmm. The Hebrew words for formless and void can be translated emptiness or chaos mm. and signifies purpose, purposelessness and despair in our lives. So now we're taking this big you know, thing back here that who, you know, who, what does it matter that a man died 2000 years ago right. until it matters today inside of the story that you're living in. Right. So when we were talking about in the beginning, God created and there's these words, then when we start putting words that matter to you in it, mm. you start having some skin in the game. It starts to become vested. So yes. the the darkness in your life, the chaos in your life, the, the vacuum in your life, actually, we would call it purpose, purposelessness mm-hmm. and despair. <laughs> That's going to sound horrible in the microphone. I already know that. <laughs> All right, but in the biblical creation, creative narrative, God set a boundary by creating light. All right, so inside the darkness, God said, let there be light. And God separated the light from the darkness. He called the light day, and the darkness he called night. That's Genesis 1, 3, 4, Mm -hmm. and 5. All right, but what happened was God had taken the chaos, and he established a beautiful rhythm of day and night. Hmm. So before it was just chaos, before it was just empty, before it didn't have a purpose. Right. Now, inside the purpose of God, he is taking the chaotic unknown mm-hmm. and filling it with the lesson. Right. All right. So in right relationship, we start to see this. Now, God had taken what was chaos and established a beautiful rhythm. After limiting the darkness, God created another epic when he created another boundary in Genesis 1-9, where he says, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let the dry ground appear. It, many people don't know this, but in ancient Near Eastern vocabulary, the Hebrew word for waters, again, can be understood as chaos, and it signifies anger and destruction. So in the creation story, the source of chaos is not identified. That's going to be another podcast because that's something that Mick has brought up already. (laughs) But there is a source. There is something going on in the heavens. However, here, that's not been, you know, really built upon. What has been built upon is that when we learn that the power of God's spoken word 
placed boundaries around the chaos. It around it allowed there to be dry land to exist in harmony with the water. Hmm. And God separated the light from the darkness and the waters from the dry land. He can establish the same boundaries within your soul. Hmm. So he can take your anger and despair and turn them into something beautiful. Now that allows us to enter into, hey, here's these words and here's what they mean. Right. right? That's great. And that's, that has to be understood. Right. But then we put them in right relationship and it's saying, okay, so when you enter the purpose of your life, which is the story that you're living, mm -hmm. that's going to be a gift given to you by God, or it's going to be you thinking you're the gift for God. Mm -hmm. and, and ultimately, that's what you're going to do with the known and the unknown of your life. That's what you're going to do with the emptiness and purposelessness of your life, whether or not you'll fill it with who he is and what he said, mm. or whether you'll continue to cut out cisterns that won't hold water and continue to try and do what you know doesn't work, which is the definition of insanity. Right. Um, over and over and over. Yes. Um, it, it is really the the original question, but to try and keep it closer to us than further away, there's a way that this impacts us day by day. Yeah, I mean, I think so. When you mentioned, we went and read the Jordan Peterson Twelve Rules for Life material, and he has a beautiful depiction of chaos and order and how he breaks it down. How we we can associate with that because the chaos is getting fired at work, you know, and the order is, I know that I have to go to work today. So you have all these different explanations of those, of those things. But I do think that it is important to understand that there is a, there is a moral view of order in, in chaos or a secular view is what I should say of order in chaos. And then there's the biblical order. Sacred. Yeah. The sacred, um, order and chaos definition. So it's kind of, you have, you have to make sure you're making the distinction between the two of them. Um, I, one thing I would say that adds to this is one of my buddies that I was in a band with always said, he said, I really appreciate like some of the songs you write. He was like, cause if I just read the words of the song, they're kind of, it's kind of dark, you know, like it's kind of, it doesn't sound like you came from a really good place. He was like, but then you put this music on top of it and it almost sounds like you've turned something beautiful out of pain and suffering and all those things. And I kind of realized like looking back now, especially where I am with my relationship with God, but I've, I think I've always had that, that there's a, there's something, something can be used for this chaos where even, even if it's like, it's something that can we can relate to and understand and we can find a purpose inside of it like in in the known and the unknown but in us going going out into the world that's the part where we can be in the world but not of the world because yes we do have to go into the unknown we do have to go out into the chaos but with our relationship with God inside of that order with him putting his inserting his divine uh, you know his his will over over the chaos was just absolutely one of the most beautiful illustrations that I've ever that you know, it was a revelation to me because I was like I never really thought about it that way that is like really really good it it shows you it gives you a different perspective of chaos and order so Deuteronomy 29:29 whenever I run far enough out to where I come to the end of myself. Mm -hmm. It says that the secret things belong to Yahweh, our God, mm -hmm. but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the works of this law. Mm -hmm. 
So ultimately, there's always going to be the unknown that God has to allow to be there for the teaching of being dependent, of being, um, uh, to being able to trust past the ability to trust. And, right. and then, yeah. you know, that, that, that yeah. there has to be that disconnect or right. that, that chasm. And, and, and you look at the Exodus story, and there's certain things that God teaches us that you have to be dislocated from this world to learn. Uh, you, you, but you're always going to use the culture in which you live whether you like it or not. Mm. So you're going to be in the world. You're going to be in where you were born in those boundaries. And you're going right. to be inside that secular uh, society. Mm -hmm. But inside of that, the addition of the regenerate heart, the mm -hmm. beginning of a new story, the retelling of where you started. Right. And then God did such yeah, X, yeah, Y, and Z yeah. becomes part of the platform of Jesus Christ being the foundation. Right. Well, here's what I here's who I was without him, and then right. when I fell in love with what Christ has done to open up the door, and I fell in love with this story being about Yahweh, I started to have my mind renewed because I didn't live like everybody else did. I didn't right. conform to the patterns of this world as the way the Scripture says it. But I mean, ultimately, I started to learn that there's a whole new story that makes my story matter and it makes my story like cool to tell right yeah so like it, it, if, if you've got this story where everything went wrong and all of a sudden it was raining you, you turn that into it was raining cats and dogs one night long long <laughs> in a galaxy far far away right and, right yeah but the bad things are what you actually end up emphasizing right did they stink when you went through them? Uh, yeah yeah but because the new story has retold it, those things are actually now the things you want to tell. Right. Because those that's what's been overcome. That's what has been retold. Right. That's that's what God has taken care of. Right. And those are the things that draw other people into it because those are the things they don't have an answer to. Right. Yeah. And that's it, good. And they're trying to reason their way out of it. They're right. trying to make sense of it. They're trying to move the pieces on the board. Yeah. But they keep running into God. Right. Because it is God's story. Well, yeah, that that's that beautifully articulated articulates what what i was talking about when i you know turning a, a pretty song into it you know like that's the best i can do is play the pretty song and then you you're like oh man that's a that's a pretty song that's the best i could do with it but now inside of my relationship with god i understand that it's another way that i can tell of his love and his grace and his mercy and his glory overshadowing the the, cha uh, the chaos of my life and giving order to that chaos and showing you know him revealing to me that he was he's been there the whole time and he's been working working through me and making a way because now beautifully my struggle has become a part of a part of the story because it's all been for him and for his glory and for his his honor and for his purpose but when i didn't know what to do with it the most i could do was make you know a pretty song and that was the best that i was going to going to get out of it but now it's like it's gone so much further past that, that it's just like, I don't care about the song. Like I care about, I care about the story and I care about my relationship with God more. If all I have is that, you know, that means nothing to me compared to, to my relationship with God and him being there and him being the one who saw me through those things. And what's cool is now instead of a song, it's my entire life. That's the beautiful work, you know, for his honor and for his glory. And it's just, it's awesome. And you'll hear people say things like, you can't outgive God. Yeah. And it's like, okay, and, and the more you fall in love with your story being his story, 
my mind works in illustrations and what you just shared, all I could think of was all the pretty words by Nirvana. <laughs> uh, they, they know all the pretty words to my song. Yeah. So an illustration I've always fallen, you know, that always loved and fallen more and more in love with is say I gave you the ability to come up with your greatest fantasy for your life. And you're like, man, I'd be, an NFL quarterback and right. signed a $90 right. million dollars a year. And, yeah, yeah. and I mean, I, I like let you write it out and you write it all down and you're like, okay, it'll all be selfish. I mean, in other words, oh, it, absolutely. It, 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 if I let you write it down, it'll all be selfish. And it's like, all right, but then you'd be, I, I don't see you got married here. You know, I just yeah. see that you're going to be a $90 million quarterback. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Like when you meet your wife, are you going to get in a Ford pickup truck that you borrowed from your buddy to <laughs> where she actually loves you instead of your $90 million? Right. Because um, you may never know if they really love you because of anything other than all of this thing, things you thought were going to make you important. Right. But when you fall in love with the story of God, it takes you as you are. Right. And connects you with a story that is eternally important that started with in the beginning god created right. the heavens and the earth yeah and you have this history and you have this culture and you have these expectations and you have his you, you have everything that makes you important to where yeah you may know my pretty little song mm -hmm. kurt cobain was an incredible artist yeah he was but he killed himself because he couldn't answer the question yeah, and I love the the MTV Unplugged. I, oh, I, man, I can great... I can sing anything on it because <laughs> I, I I know it and right. musically pure genius, mm -hmm. but not enough for him to have the answers that God gives mm -hmm. away free. That's interesting. Yeah, it's a, but it's another comparison. You know, you're the ninety million dollar yeah. quarterback or the, the the musician that I wish I could just be amused as easy as you are. Right but he lost any passion for life because he didn't have the answers that sustained for eternity. Right. Um, there's an emptiness there. There's the void there. There's right. the despair and the purposelessness. We have millionaires committing suicide. Yeah. Um, why? I, it's, a, it's back to the void. They have, there's something eternally that they want. Then they, they can't satisfy it with more stuff. I know it's the things that we think and perceive that matter the most, but, I what you like you're doing now. We can literally give you an example of people who have all the things that you're stressed out about and they're not here anymore. Why why is that? So this is I think this is where it really goes back back to it's better to be known by God than it is to know like know God. I mean that's the you know, that's the whole point is to be in that relationship with him and have him be the sustainer and have him be the one that can give the chaos a purpose inside of his divine order because there can't be any other story right yeah and, and i mean you continue to see god say no no, no i've sent my son to become the justifier mm -hmm. because i am just right my holiness will be answered for right and right now you got no answer yeah so i've sent an answer yeah. Now the question is, will you see my answer and in invitation into this story mm -hmm. of being about you in that relationship? Mm -hmm. Or are you going to continue to say or try to believe something different? But Ecclesiastes 3.11, when, I mean, attributed to Solomon, says that he's made everything beautiful in his time. Mm -hmm. What tearing down, building up, you know, there's the song <clears throat> that, that you can sing, you know. Mm -hmm. But 
it says it's because he's put eternity into your heart, yet it's so that you cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. So in other words, you are created for eternity, Mm -hmm. but you can't know it or understand it. Mm. So there's your Tav and Ra. There's, no, you were created for the kingdom of light, but you were born in the kingdom of darkness. So you can't understand it. And you have this language of the unfathomable weight of glory. Right. Um, Things that I understand, I'm a people of hope because Mm -hmm. I can't understand the infinite God with my finite mind, mm-hmm. um, then to know that you're known by God and you've been invited in and that God's the one that is the author and perfecter, God is the one that is leading you, mm-hmm. uh, becomes way better than any story you continue to try and write. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and we write it all the time. I think one of the cool things that you were talking about was how the world is the stage for you know, the, the drama and the fiction and the world is just a place where it happens. Our consciousness is where we determine whether we were a part of the drama or we're a part of the fiction. And I just thought it was really interesting that when you look at it that way, these things are going to exist and how we perceive them is where we find is where we find what story we're actually a part of. But either way, there's two stories going on constantly. And you're either a part of one or you're a part of the other. And when you start to figure out that you're a part of the other, you kind of, yes, God did give chaos purpose because he inserted his divine order over that chaos. So it doesn't mean that it was eradicated. It means that they are contending with one another. They're pretty much, they both exist. They have to both exist. We have to live in 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 the per like straddle the line of order and chaos to understand and to move forward in our journey in life um but i do want to ask does our understanding of chaos only help us appreciate order or or can and does it have another purpose back to deuteronomy 8 3 where it says that god has allowed you the your 40 years in this wilderness but you will you will see the way that your the Lord your God has led you these forty years in the wilderness, so that He may test you to know it's in your own heart and humble you, and mm-hmm. actually humble you and test you to know it's in your own heart. In right relationship, the chaos is meant to drive you to dependence. It's meant to allow you to know you don't know. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's a it's to allow you to come to the end of yourself. And be okay with that. Mm. But for that to be true, that's why the gospel is so important. Because anything other than the work of Christ, you have no real foundation. Because Christ was the perfect fulfillment and fullness of God making an island available. Mm. Um, But you're going to be in a sea of chaos in this life. But God sent his unique son, Jesus to take the flesh, the body, and put it back in right relationship to where we have hope of what we're experiencing now to not eternally be our destination. Mm. But now, already not yet, I've been changed, and my story is now about him and who, who he is and what he's done. So the only thing that really matters to me is what happens next when I die. Mm-hmm. 
Whereas the person that doesn't have that story, doesn't have that foundation of Christ, can only have what's happening in this life before I die. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so those are two totally different stories. Now, outside of the sacred, outside of it being about God and what the way that he's made by sending Jesus to then allow the Holy Spirit to be the mind that walks with us and talks with us and grieves us and, and we grieve him and we're in relationship in our spiritual life, without that, chaos has a different purpose. And that, that, that purpose is to allow you to justify and rationalize yourself in that fiction, in mm. that lie. But it means that you're continuing to darken your mind. You're continuing to grow more and more away from the truth. And it's hell. Mm. And then it's hell. Because that's the only story you've got. And the more you explain it away, the further you isolate yourself, the further you have to deny the truth, the further you end up having to come up with your own reason. And and when you do that, and other people do that, well, then you're the God of your story, and they're the God of their story. Mm -hmm. So then you're entitled, and then you're bitter, and then you end up warring against each other. And there is no... God has freed me to have to be bound by that. Mm. In other words, I can talk to you and you not be able to hear the words in my mouth. And I can realize you're just bound to your story. Right. Um, which means you're of a certain kingdom. Right. Because the presence of the authority to have your own story is the lie that you've purchased. Right. Um, but because I've been purchased by another story, I don't have to enter into that depth of, despair. I don't have to enter into that depth of confusion. I don't have to enter into, I I want to go as far as I can. And however far you want me to, I really want to go twice as far because that's what I've been asked to do or commanded to do. God doesn't ask, he commands, but he's commanded me to enter in, but I'm not of. Right. So I can enter into your story and I can hear it and we can rationalize and we can talk about things and I can say, Hey man, I, I hope that this is right. Right. But what about this yeah. and this and this. And then I'm asking you questions. I'm not dishonoring you. I, I, there's, a, there's a way to do it. But the only way I can do that is I'm free from having to justify myself because God justified me. Right. I'm free from having answers that answer your story because I don't, your story is not my story. Right. Um, but if your story is just your story, you will not have the ability, you won't have spiritual eyes and ears to see and hear something different because the God of this age has blinded you to, from the truth. White men can't jump. I mean, you can, you, can, you can hear Jimmy, but you can't listen to Jimmy. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> right. you can hear the gospel, but you can't listen to it. Right. It doesn't have any authority. It's not your story. It's not, it's not what you have fallen in love with you still love something else and someone right well i think the the difference is though is having having the foundation of christ that's why you're able to go and to listen but that's the reason that you can't you can't go as far as they're gonna end up wind up going because i have a foundation i'm i'm secure over here i can hear your story but the beautiful thing is is i was in that position and I took I took my chaos to the Lord in in that position, and I found myself a part of His story. Like my story is nothing more than my life lived out to honor His story. I have a part in that, and that's where 
I think if you're going to find this, the identity of it and all that, the real question is, and what a lot of people are saying is, is I'm the hero of my story. And what I, what I realized was is that you don't really want to be the hero of the story because then all of the burden and all of the weight is on you to make the best of it. And you're in this situation because it's already too heavy. You know, so you're just going to continue to go down further and further and further. And that's why I'm encouraging them. And this is where you can use the illustration, the fishers of men. This is pulling them out of the spiritual darkness where you're going deeper and deeper into the depths of Sheol. And they thought, well, people go down there and they don't come back. That's what happens. So if that's it, and then you're rescuing those people, bringing them into the boat. Well, then you had those who were mending the nets and that's where ministry and training and discipleship and all that begins to take place. And that's the best that to me is it's like, it's absolutely beautiful and it gives it new meaning and gives it new depth. And you realize I don't have to continue down this dark, dark path that I'm going down. But like we've said before in you know earlier episodes, God will let you do it. And he will let you do it until you get to the end of yourself. But he always is there. He's ready to restore. He's ready to, save you he's ready to take your story and give it the purpose that he's designed for it all along and that would be taking part in the drama not in not in the fiction can't remember where i read it the other day but it was just like the end of one of the sentences that says you can't do anything to the truth you can only do things for the truth right and ultimately the confidence about it being god's story is i can stop trying to be the author i can stop trying to put all that weight on my shoulders i can stop allowing my performance to be what is most important and then when you see it in scripture and jesus is like okay but you guys can try and be moses and you can try and keep the law but if you if you keep the law and that's who you want to try and go after he looked forward to me because Mm -hmm. if you fail at one part you fail it at all right so understand what it is that you're going after Mm -hmm. Because in today's language, what that sounds like is, well, who are you to tell me what God said? That's not what I think God says. <laughs> right. I feel that he wants me to be happy. Right, yeah. Um, and those, those are literal truth claims of the individual sharing their story. So mm-hmm. they're, they're to be honored and listened to. Right. But in your heart, if you know the truth that that's a lie, mm-hmm. we, have to be, we have to be ready to have those conversations of, this is what that looked like in my life when I thought that way. Mm-hmm. Here is what it looks like as I've been freed from it. Right. Ultimately, I understand. I just want more for you. So right. I'm not trying to, oh, you're wrong and I'm right. And I'm justified because I'm Jesus with a cape. Right? And that, that's not, right. not going to help. Um, something in that boundaries of the soul that I, I'll, I'll continue to repeat to people is you find somebody that's cutting mm-hmm. or you find somebody that's drinking alcohol. And people are like, well, if you got to admit you had a problem before you can get help and look at this person. And it's like, well, that cutting is keeping you from hurting yourself. Mm. And that sounds stupid, but that's exactly what the person that has that story is going to tell you is, no, no, no. When I get overwhelmed by chaos, I cut so that I can catch up and it helps me not go further. Mm. So why don't you honor and respect what most people would just look at and say, you got a problem and you better admit it or else you're not going to ever get help. <laughs> but m- maybe when you're drinking 
you're trying to keep yourself from going further because it helps you distract or disconnect from where you know you're going to go. Right. Why don't you be thankful for whatever it is that's trying to protect you, but then actually present it with the gospel and the wisdom and the difference of whenever you learn this pattern of reacting, Mm -hmm. it was before you had the story of God. But now with the story of God, you can go back and preach the gospel literally to yourself Mm -hmm. to then still honor that thing about you that protected you for so long, but can now be retired Mm -hmm. because of the fullness of the gospel to where it's still respected and loved because it's part of you and it was protecting you and it loves you. So if it loves you and it finds out that you're in a story that eternally secures you, y'all and doesn't need that habit yeah then that's what's going to lead you to health that's bringing your body integrating into going in one direction right instead of still trying to take jesus and then add this or add that and i I know that that's kind of getting confusing at that point but there's there's a story that frees you and that's the story that god has given us how to enter into that and how to understand it is 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 our goal week to week. Oh, absolutely. So <clears throat> this is kind of a long-winded question, but just bear with me. So God is a God of order. We have learned in our time that God created the heavens and the earth and gave the universe and creation, men and women, order. We see in the creation account how the waters were told, how far to go, and where not to pass, so on and so forth. In Genesis 3, we see the fall and chaos being first introduced into the first heavens. If we are born spiritually dead and separated from God, until we are born as the new creation, can we as humans understand biblical order or even know biblical chaos? The answer is yes. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) Sweet. Okay, so we'll just... (laughs) In Acts 17, it says that when Paul goes into Athens, he sees all of their idolatrous spiritual worship. And he goes and he says, just like I was just saying, affirm the things that you see so that you can be heard mm-hmm. instead of, oh, y'all are going to hell. You don't even talk about Yahweh here. It's like <laughs> that would have gone nowhere, right? Right. But instead, gonna, yeah. he goes, hey, and, and this goes, the the principle is easy. If I'm going to give you a evaluation at work mm-hmm. when you come in and I'm like, you suck at this, this, and this. And at the end, but I mean, you're pretty good at this. You don't even hear that. Cause all you heard was how I brought you in here and I tore you down yeah, and I'm who is mad. this dude? And yeah. I know everything you do wrong. And right. But if you come in and I start with the good characters, traits, the good things that you do, and right. you, you know why you're in there and you even know why I'm buttering you up. <laughs> right. But at least I did it. Right. Yeah. I, I respected you enough and I'm trying to soften what I, I am going to end with. Right. But the process was for you, not against you. Right. Yeah. Paul in Acts 17 goes into Athens. He sees this idolatry, idolatrous worship. And he says, look, I can see you guys are really spiritual people. Yeah. And I can see that you're in here talking about philosophy and you always like to listen to new things. Right. And, and, and here's this, this one story that tells the story to all of these stories. Mm-hmm. And they're like, hmm, that's kind of intriguing. Will you come back tomorrow and talk to us again? That's not verbatim, but that's pretty much what happens. All right. Yeah. And, and, but he says, listen, there's a God that doesn't need your hand. Mm. And there's a God that created everything out of nothing. Right. And there's a God of these gods. That's what the story is all about. Right. 
He's given you your boundaries and allotted you the life that you're living so that you could feel around and hopefully find him. Right. right. So he just went into your thoughts. He went into your feelings. He started with the fact that you're created with eternity stamped on your heart because everybody is. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, okay. So even when he gets to something that's like not what you agree with, you're like, okay, okay. Well, no. Uh-uh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, come back tomorrow, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and figure out how to explain away the right. part that I disagreed with, which yeah. is, that's fine, yeah. but the conversation's still aware, uh, alive. Uh-huh. I've honored you. I haven't disrespected you to where you shut down, and right. you know that it was for you, not against you. I mean, right. there, was, there, were, there doesn't have to be, I need to win this argument right. for me or God, because yeah, yeah. God's God. Yeah, God doesn't and, need us to do anything. And he's given me this story. So so inside of that, operating inside of that, falling in love with that, right. when you see the chaos, the chaos is for you to learn. Mm-hmm. And the order is by grace and mercy to where you get to fall in love with the things that God does and you get to take extreme ownership of the things that you do and still have them in right relationship because that's the story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm that's the only one that's got those elements. I mean, in other words, as you go through life, when you're talking to other people, they can say they are whatever they are, but they do not have integration. They do not have an answer that is just and the justifier. They, they, they have to come to somewhere that like, they're like, okay, okay, no, mm -mm, wait, wait, wait. (laughs) But at that point, you're at the heart of the conversation. I mean, that is the reason you're having a conversation, but you want it to be a conversation and you don't want it to become an argument because I don't care if you're professing believers or you're talking to someone that totally sees it absolutely opposite of you. Mm -hmm. As soon as you're like, no, you are going to hell. You're a heathen. You're like, (laughs) okay, well, I guess uh, I'll be leaving now. (laughs) And you can feel good. Yeah. But did you do what God gave you the story for? Because mm-hmm. Jesus could have done that to anybody that he went and he met. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, absolutely. And actually, he went to those that were broken and really knew that they were broken. Right. So in our conversations, we need to figure out how to use that chaos for the purpose it was given for, which is the need of the order. Right. But then the order is only to go out in the chaos, mm-hmm. dependently in faith, to meet the chaos because. The kingdom of heaven is supposed to be at the gates of hell. It, those, right. That's a defensive position. Right. And we should be pushing into the darkness as the light. Yeah. Um, bringing the salt, which is to push back what is destroying those that we love around us. Right. Because of the gift of the story that God's given us. But the first thing you have to do is shine that light inward. Right. And pu- apply the salt inward. Right. To where then your your story is, yes, founded in the scriptures, but it's groomed in the story of the life that you're living. Right. To where people are intrigued, even if they disagree, because you seem to believe it. And here's the thing, like at three o'clock in the morning, you'll yeah. watch you'll watch that ad commercial. Now oh, you yeah. know you're never gonna do it. And you're like forty nine ninety nine. Dude, I've convinced myself that I could do it though. I think I think I think I could get those abs. Just forty nine. I think I could do it. At three o'clock in the morning. Now, the only reason I'm doing it is because the person on there looks like they did it. Yeah. And they look like they believe I can too. Yeah. I mean, for forty nine nine nine, I mean, you can I'm, do this too. Yeah. Well, there's something in us that wants to believe. Right. We were created for it. Right. Um so the more you find your foundation actually in the truth, the more 
the rock becomes something that doesn't move. Right. And and then like uh, G.K. Chesterton, I don't know if you know who that is, I but don't. incredible author. However, he would say, but I'm stupid. <clears throat> and what I mean by stupid is- I like is, him already. Well, and he, he's like, what I mean by stupid is you can use big words. I don't know what they are. I'll go look them up. But here's the thing. <laughs> I don't forget anything. Ah. So like f- through his life, his big thing was that I've, I've got a photographic memory. I don't forget conversations. So he becomes this incredible writer and he attributes it all to the fact that his memory was so strong. Hmm. Uh, that, that's powerful because how much of our memory do we try to get away from? How much of a our lot. memory do we bury? A lot. Put to death even. I mean, we, yeah. we don't want to go there. Yeah. But then what happens? Those memories pop up. Yes. Because we've suppressed the truth in our unrighteousness and ungodliness. And all that means, those are big Christianese words for ungodliness. Unlike God. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Uh, so, and unrighteousness. Right relationship is righteousness. Unright relationship. Okay, so gotcha. through not being in God's story, <clears throat> ending up in the wrong relationship, right. I now have to suppress the truth right. because I have to justify myself. Right. But if I take Coca-Cola and it's the carbonation, it's suppressed, right? Yes. But if I shake it up and I take the cap off. It will not be anymore. It's coming up. Oh, so. Yeah. You can suppress the truth in your ungodliness and your unrighteousness, but you're still in God's world and you're still living God's story. So what's going to happen is he's going to shake you up <laughs> and then he's going to blow your top off. And then there you are with your memories and not knowing what to do with them. And then you've got, you've got choices to make and they're, they're eternal choices. Well, that wouldn't you say that that's almost like the, that's the mending though. The mending though is taking the chaos and, and seeing that, yes, this thing kept me alive, but now that, excuse me, now that I'm, stepping inside of the order this is what eric was telling me about how he had this chaos that protected him and shielded him and loved him but he didn't have anything to do with it so obviously the darkness you know it's gone deeper you keep going deeper but he keeps telling me he's you know he keeps referring to god who who you know confronted him confronted his chaos and and inside of that order separated the two and now it's to the point where he can have that conversation with the chaos that loved him and still wanted to keep him you know keep him alive and help him cope when his top was blown off you know now that now that we've done that it seems like it almost like he knows what to do with with the chaos i don't know what to do with it he has like this tranquility about him and all these other things and I think that that's the that's the mending part. The mending part is is that we go to other people and we tell them that yes, I've had chaos in my life too, but inside of God's story, there's balance to the equation. Outside of it, there is no balance because you have it's always going to be one sided towards you have to rationalize, justify, and make sure that you have an answer for it. But then when you get to the big explosion, all the only thing you can do is go back to those people and apologize. But I know just as much as well as anybody does. If you keep doing the same thing to me over and over and over again, and you keep apologizing, eventually I don't believe you anymore because you're just going to do it again. And that fractures relationships. And, you know, it not, not saying it hurts your witness or anything like that, but there's, there's no peace there. You're never going to find peace there because you can't confront it because you constantly have to put, leave it as the victor to sustain yourself. But really, it's costing you everything and everyone around you. That's where the void comes in, in my mind, after you've talked about all that there. 
so let's put a little flesh and bones on that because okay. maybe the reason I keep failing is because of you. <laughs> right? But now you don't believe me because you're you. <laughs> and, and and I mean, the language is getting to where we, as believers, if we really do believe what we're talking about right now, we, we need to learn what people mean by things. And like narcissists are sending narcissist articles on narcissism. And <laughs> and when you read them, it's like gaslighting. What is gaslighting? <laughs> so the narcissist that I am and the article that I got from a narcissist, I go and I study a little bit and come to find out gaslighting is when you, they make you believe their reality. Okay, so wait a minute. I'm a narcissist because a narcissist is gaslighting me by making me believe their reality. Okay, so reality is, once again, the truth of the story. Right. You had said earlier, it's better to be known by God than to know about God. Right. But you can't be known by God without knowing about God. And and That's true. You can't mend nets if you're not going. That's true, too. And there's no reason for you to go unless you're willing to mend nets. That's also true. So the consciousness or the awareness of the story mm -hmm. is what you've been created in the image of God to be able to know and be known by. Mm -hmm. But at the bottom legs, you've got, like you were saying earlier, and, and Jordan Peterson built it out as what modern day people call their consciousness is built on two legs of drama and fiction. So mm -hmm. there's this real story that's going on, the drama, mm -hmm. and then there's this fiction, which is a false story. All right. Now, in your consciousness, you're going to have to take the fiction and figure out what the drama is because the drama is the real story. Right. But there's the fiction. Now, here's the thing. I cannot think of Charles Spurgeon goes, you know, if people would stop watching sports and go home in between church services and just think about heaven, they would be coming back that night just ready to hear the word. And I'm like, okay, so if I go home and I just think of heaven, I'm like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I know what watching a movie is, and a movie is what? Murder and sex <laughs> and, and all this, you know, this shenanigans, lies and fiction and, and, and all of the, you know, it, it's, it's what gets our attention. Right. All right. Now, he's saying, hey, there's these things that are vying for your attention, but the only attention, the only one that deserves that attention is the story. Right. Now, I'm aware enough to know that this has got the ability to keep me interested. Mm -hmm. The story's supposed to keep me interested. Right. So they can be put in right relationship. Mm. All right. Some of the greatest evidence that I have of my relationship with God is knowing about him, all the doctrine and all the time that I get to study and all that. All right. But then going to a, the jail and ministering to some guys for two or three hours and seeing light bulbs come on and then women's prison that night on a Monday night and go and, I mean, speaking on marriage, light bulbs coming on, seeing how it's the pattern of God, using all of that fiction of what we thought it was about in selfishness, but then applying it to how it really is about the mystery is profound, but it's really about Christ and his church. And I mean, seeing people like, I've never thought about that. And it's like, yes, yes. <laughs> and then getting in my truck, riding home, on, you know, hey, God really used me tonight. Walk in the house and say the most stupid, nutted up thing to my wife and then get in an argument. And I'm in the back room like, I'm not, no, God, I'm not saying sorry. No. Uh -uh. Mm -mm. And he's like, yeah, you are. Been no, there. I'm not. Mm -mm. So 
I am literally arguing with God about what I am am, am not going to do. Mm-hmm. And the best I came up with is, I, I'm not wrong, <laughs> but we shouldn't let the sun go down on our anger. So we'll talk about this tomorrow. That was the best I could actually muster up. And that was like me submitting. Yeah. Not really. Right. Yeah, yeah. But that relationship right there is real. Mm. So he had sent me, his word didn't return void. People heard it where they were struggling in their story, and it still had the power to viably make them have aha moments, which I totally was used and and, and got to enjoy. But if God just let me be used and enjoy, it'd become my message pretty quick. So he has to allow that fiction to be, and there's your flesh against the spirit, and there's your weakness against Mm -hmm. the strength. and. When I use you in a mighty way, understand there's hard times coming. Right. And when there's hard times, understand that you've got the hope of eternity Mm -hmm. to where even when you don't understand, those things belong to God, your Father, but nothing happens to you without it coming through your Father's hands, and those are His secret things. Right. What you are responsible for is what you do already know and to do them. Right. Because your generations are in the gap. Right. Um, when you start putting those legs together, is my my point is the chaos has the purpose of making the order matter, Mm -hmm. and what matters is that the order enters in and attacks the chaos. Mm. And if you if you hold them apart, or you're unwilling, it's both and It, it has to be put in right relationship, which is why God has created day and night. It's why the light was said to enter in. The relationship is, and then the light, fullness, order, entered into the darkness Mm -hmm. to make known all of those of the light, what that means, and to be a testament to all of those that are of the chaos Mm -hmm. of what that means. To where when they see Jesus, they're like, Ooh, I know who you are. You're the mighty one, and it's not our time. And yeah. uh, they, they knew the story, right? But they knew it wasn't theirs. That's true. So the question is as you're going and falling in love with the fact that you're part of God's story, are you testing the spirits of people around you to try and call your brothers and sisters to realize to enter their story? Mm. That's good. I was. I, I'm so like kicking myself right now because I had like two really good questions that I was going to ask and now I cannot remember either one of them and that is super, super unfortunate. I'm not happy about that. All right, but, so I'm sorry, excuse me, I didn't mean to do that. Uh, What is the purpose of the chaos and void that was there before the earth was created in Genesis? I got to know, man. It's, It's driving me nuts. It's the same... So everything was created for him and through him and by him and to him. Mm -hmm. Everything visible and invisible. Mm -hmm. So if you go back to Job, which is chronologically the oldest book in the Bible because Moses wrote the Torah Mm -hmm. backwards. All right. So when we look at Job, Job builds out a understanding of God with a divine counsel to where the heavenlies were created first, and then they witnessed the creation of the first heavens. They witnessed the creation of the material world. They witnessed, if you will, the Big Bang. They, they witnessed how God did what God did, hmm. because the Elohim, the gods, were watching what the Most High, the God, 
was revealing unto them and then said, and wait till you see this right here. And he creates man and woman. Mm. All right. Now with Genesis one, like I said, this is a whole nother series of podcasts or teaching series is really what it comes down to. But in Genesis one 26, where he says, let us make them in our own image. All right. So it says God made him in his image. That's singular. That's the most high. But then we were made in the image of the Elohim, the gods, meaning we were created to know and be known by God. Mm. All right. But they were created to be known and known by God before us, heavenly hosts. Right. All right. Okay. So he's the most high, the God of the heavenly hosts. Okay. There was one in the divine council that wanted to be like the most high and sit on the yeah, throne. I know who that one is. All right. That one is, do you really? Shimihaza? All right. All right. So Shimihaza would be the leader. Yes. Okay. Boom. Redeeming myself from last time. Either way, without chasing that rabbit, okay. And, okay. Sorry. And, Sorry. and we'll do that another time. However, when we were created in their image, it meant to be their vassal, their viceroy, their representation here in the, in the first heavens, in the physical realm. But the Elohim that were created in Yahweh's image were his viceroy in the second heavens, and they have their own ability to have dominion and subdue, and but they're still known and unknown. Mm -hmm. Just like when he creates us in Genesis 1, he's like, so that you can have dominion and go and subdue. So, um, subdue what? This is perfection, right? No, no, no. In my presence in the garden, that's perfection. Yeah. Because I'm there. Right. Not because you're there, right. but because I'm there. Right. But then you're created in my image to be able to take who I am unto the world and change the world with it. Mm. Go do that. Mm. But that happened in the heavens before it happened on the earth. Ah. Okay, so there's, there's a whole cosmic thing going on there to where they had the ability to obey or disobey. Right. They had the ability to apparently disobey and become the author of mm -hmm. temptation and doubt. But how could you know what you really believe without having another truth claim? So the Father, Yahweh, allows Satan to become the, well, how do we know if he believes you protect him all the time? Right. All right. Now, inside of Job, that is not Satan that Jesus talks to because it's got the the, the in front of it. Right. It's the accuser mm -hmm. in a courtroom. Right. You can't have a courtroom without a defendant and an accuser. Right. All right, so where you been, the Satan? Oh, I've been down in the first heaven searching to and fro for somebody to accuse. Have you heard of Job? Well, yeah, I've heard of Job. And the thing is, is you protect him all the time. Of course, he, he does. Will you let me go create doubt? Will you let me be able to bring calamity? Will you let me? Well, yeah. All right, so when we say there's an adversary, it's one that brings doubt, it's one that brings shame, it's one that brings guilt. Right. But if we fast forward to Ephesians 3, which you can't really fast forward because we're talking eternity, right. God is using what's going on down here to declare his manifold wisdom mm -hmm. of his people to the heavenly realms the same way in the earthly realms. And like I said, with, with us just mentioning this, you may think that we're just all over the place, but... This is good. People like this. Yeah. So, and, and, and in right relationship, you okay. should like it because it is the theology of Jesus. It is the theology of the Jewish nation. It is, it's the theology that Jesus says, have you not read? Do you not know? Um, 
there is a spiritual battle going on to where they can tempt and sway, but the only person that can choose what you do in your story is you. Right. So when you choose to love yourself or disobey or to hold on to grief or shame, that's your responsibility and accountability, you know, your accountability and responsibility. That's right. All right so those yeah. are yours. Right. Um, there are, there's, there's those that have been sent to protect, lead, and guide and direct. There are those that have been sent inside of culture to distract, steal, kill, and destroy. Mm-hmm. And there's two kingdoms. Right. And they're real. Right. And and they're real in a greater way than when you say that this table is real. Right. Um, the table only matters inside of a story. Right. So, I mean, I wonder if this is almost in a sense like, God presenting to us through through the stage that the chaos is always something that will be contended with until Christ returns and has reestablished, you know, heaven the new the new heavens and the new earth. Is is this would would that be fair to say that this is just like a it's a it's it's more like a truth claim that chaos is going to be something that you have to contend with while you're here taking part in the story, whether you believe the drama or the fiction. Okay, so track with me. Okay. Genesis 1 and 2. Okay. Before, what happens in 3? Fall. The fall. Sin enters the world. Sin enters, yeah, sin okay. enters the world. So before chapter 3. Mm-hmm. Nothing. I mean. There was darkness. Yes. It wasn't sinful. Yes. And then there was light. Uh-huh. It certainly wasn't sinful. It was good. And and so was the darkness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Because right. day and night, it was good. Right. Into that first day. Okay. All right. So the known and the unknown, the chaos and the order, the vacuum and the fulfillment Mm -hmm. in right relationship, there's nothing sinful. That's interesting. The righteousness was broken in Genesis 3. Right. But before that, they both existed and they were not sinful. They were the way God created because Mm -hmm. you have to have the choice to be his viceroy. Mm. Which means there has to be the unknown, right? Which means there has to be something you're trying to achieve, right? Which means in His image, you get to choose how to lift up His image. So the image is still there, the foundation is still there, the light right. is still the light. There's still the order. There's still the fulfillment. Mm. But it has to be in contrast to right. that that does not have that, right? But in right relationship, you're still good with God. You're still kicking it. Everything's going good, right? It's when all of a sudden it's like mine, right? My precious. Yeah, yeah you said right? that so menacingly. I, I'm just so saying that's was, yeah, that's what yeah, creeps yeah. into the story. Is no, 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 literally one of the Elohim, and we'd have to go to a lot of different sources. Says, yes. "Well, I'm not worshiping them." Yeah, and he's like, "Well, they've been invited into a higher order mm. eventually." Yeah. And that's all. That's a great teaching thing. But, well, how do you? I believe that I can have them worship me. Yeah. Watch what you're saying, Satan. Oh, no. I'm telling you. The only reason they don't is because they don't have another truth claim. Okay. I'll allow you to make that truth claim, but to understand your decision. So he becomes the God of this age. Mm-hmm. He leaves his natural relationship with the heavenlies and enters the earth mm-hmm. to become the serpent. Now, we, without doing a whole lot of teaching, which I love to do out of Genesis, however, Moses is attributed with writing it. 
Right. Moses just came out of Egypt. Right. The Egyptian gods, which God says, this is not a battle about you. It's actually a, me against the gods. There has to be real gods. Mm-hmm. Put no other god before me. Um, we're not talking about imaginary things. So one of the Elohim of his divine counsel is known as a serpent, half man, half serpent, when the original audience and original author understood that a serpent that was walking around talking mm-hmm. was a divine being mm-hmm. inside of the Egyptian world order. Yeah, that's a, that's a thing. To which the polemic of God's people was now being written to out of the oppression in Egypt. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, oh, no, no, one of the B'nai Elohim, sons of God, comes to Eve, and she's like, um, you're not supposed to do this right here? eat of the apple because man it tastes pretty good and you know it's it does look delicious <laughs> he said if you ate of it you'd do what die no you'd be like us right you sure you misunderstood him or huh? or because every one of us if we're talking about a b'nai elohim a being that is created before us all things were created in front of them and they're like i think you misunderstood no i believe in yahweh <laughs> No, you'd have done the same thing. You you right. would have thought that there's this greater being that has a greater authority, which mm-hmm. is the story. Right. Um which is the second heavens inside of the third heavens, with the first heavens right. now being brought into that right relationship. But right. it's the right relationship of known and unknown. Who's the authority? Who's the presence? Who's God? Is right. it Yahweh or is it this other truth claim? <clears throat> And and the rest of the story is written to return to where you never really went anywhere. This is this is a revelation of what's in your heart and and whose kingdom you belong to. Right. Well, you can. I mean, that's where the have no other gods before me. Even if you don't even want to get into the super hyper spiritual side of it, you can you can make you that person. You can make you that god who it's. It's my way or the highway. It's my life. It's you know. It's mine, mine, mine. But that's where that's where we get back to. That's why when you go back to the Gospels and you see Christ getting at the desires that you have inside is what he's really what he's really teaching about. He's teaching about the, the desires there. That's because that's the root problem right there. The root problem is is that either you're once again you're the hero of the story, or God's the hero of the story. And you're always going to, you're, there's no getting around it, whether you want, no, no matter how you slice the pie and dish it out and serve it, it's, it's the same thing. It goes back to over and over and over again. And we have to understand what our, what our role and our position is, but it is super interesting that in talking about the B'nai Elohim and the other gods and all that, I think of the Psalm 82, which was some biblical references. If you want to go for there, I think it's, is it Ephesians that we were looking at where it uses the plural heavens far exceeded the, the heavens? Um, I, I think that's where we were. Is it Ephesians 3? or The whole book of Ephesians is about the third heavens now that the door has been opened, for sure. Well, yeah. Well, I was just trying to make sure to give out the biblical references for people who want to open up their Bible real fast and, and flip to it so they know that it's scriptural what we're talking about. So if it's over your head, just know it's in there. And, yes, we will get to a teaching about it, I, I I promise. But so Psalms eighty two one through I believe seven, but it's Psalms eighty two, mm-hmm. and then the Deuteronomic worldview, which is Deuteronomy thirty two right. seven through nine, which with the Dead Sea Scrolls, sons of God, B'nai Elohim, was found in an older 
translations in the Masoretic text, which is the text which was oldest before that one was found, and it it, it was a game changer. I mean, so if it's the B'nai Elohim, and God got so fed up with them that he gave the gods the people as their inheritance, but then he takes Jacob as his own in the next chapter, because that's Genesis 11 is Tower of Babel when that takes place. Right. Deuteronomy 32, 7 through 9 is giving you a narrative of that worldview, how they saw that. But then he calls one pagan named Abraham and births a brand new people through the story of God, through the father, the son, and the con artist now turned into one that has striven with God and others is the story that moves forward. But from Genesis 1 through 11, you have the Jewish foundation of this worldview that there is a divine council Mm -hmm. of B'nai Elohim, sons of God. Genesis 6, 4, some of them left their natural relationships, took on human lives, and then were basically wiped off the planet through the flood to where they become your evil spirits roaming on the earth because they left their natural inhabitant. uh, You know, they, they no longer can return to the third heavens. They are now banished to the second and first heavens to where now they're roaming spirits because they were two third Elohim, one third Mm. human being. You take away the human element and you end up with your evil spirits. Now, where does all this come from? It comes from your Apocrypha. It comes from your Dead Sea Scrolls. It comes from actually knowing how to read the Old Testament in light of the things that most of us have never heard of. But I'm telling you, in academia, this is not a new conversation. This is the rest of the story. This is how to understand your Old Testament. This is how to understand the story of God. And all of that is like surface level, I'm sure, confusing. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's confusing. But also at the same time, too, like, as believers, we have to be able to do something with it. I know there's a number of churches that use the example. Michael Heiser uses the example. He was visiting a church with his wife, and it got to a certain part in Scripture. The pastor stands up, and he goes, yeah, we're going to skip this part because we don't know what to do with Second it. Second Peter, yeah. Yeah, so the whole, the whole, the whole point is, is that we have to be willing to go deeper into it and really understand what it's about because now, now that I've looked at a lot of, a lot of this information and a lot of this stuff, it relates back to to Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer going to it, hearing about his people being taken over by Germany, and him saying, "I'm going to go with the known, with the order that I have in my relationship into the unknown, into the chaos, to bring the message to not only to my people but to the people who are imprisoning my people." That's where the action becomes in this, because he understood that. You have to be, like, once again, straddling that line of the order and the chaos being inside of it. But knowing that this is a thing that has been going on before we were ever, we were ever even here, it helps us understand that this is, this is, this is an eternal thing. This is not something that just exists right now inside of our reality, inside of the, the spiritual aspect of it. We have to be able to, to do something with it. And, that's one of the things that we do want to offer through this platform. So yes, it may sound confusing, but I promise you we are willing to walk with you and talk with you all about it because you will read scripture differently. It I I was upset when I figured out a lot of this stuff and Heiser said academia knows it but we don't teach it. And I think the reason that we don't teach it is because it is a little it's different from what you've heard before, but it doesn't mean that it's not true. 
And Dietrich Bonhoeffer was martyred because he took a stand against what Germany underneath Hitler was doing at that point in history. But there was a spirit of the kingdom of man that was willing to try and make superman, superhuman, while killing those that disagreed because the agenda was the fiction. Mm-hmm. Bonhoeffer was part of God's story to the point where he tells his brothers and sisters, no, I'm, I have to be martyred because that's part of my story, mm. was martyred, and the next day that camp is freed. So, like, literally, yeah. that was part of the story. Get into Daniel, get into the, the, the kingdom of man falling apart and it becoming the spirit of the kingdom of man that's then lived out across redemptive history. There's tons and tons and tons there, and I, I, I don't know how to do it to not get more and more confusing. Yes, we should not hide you from your Bible. Yes, there's a way for you to understand the theology of the nation of Israel that incorporates all three heavens about the one true Yahweh versus the lie versus the, 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 the truth claim of the liar. I, I don't know. How, I mean, it's the truth versus the lie. It's the light versus the darkness. Putting them in right relationship is to be able to actually read your Bible and get excited about the fact that you understand it and you don't have to skip certain parts because God's actually allowed you to enter into the, the, the story that is going on. Yeah. Well, so <clears throat> with everything... With everything that we've established here today, what do you think is something that we can take away in inside of inside of the order and the chaos? How is something? What is what can we apply to our lives and for and to not tear at the seams of the bride? What is the what should be the takeaway here? Getting getting back to the order and chaos. So just like today, the one thing we can establish is wherever you're at, you don't know anything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 100%. And even inside of that, though, that, that should get you excited about God, and that should scare you about God. Um, the fear of the Lord is, mm-hmm. once again, no matter where you're at, you're totally dependent, and that's a good place to be, but it's at the cost of the lie of self. The truth is, now that I know who he is and I'm part of his story, I get to actually start building something that, doesn't change and is transcendent truth. I am in a real process of going somewhere that I don't have to keep hitting a reset. And I don't have people bringing things about the Bible up that I don't have a framework for. And it gets exciting while it's scary and scary is exciting. And that gets back to that, you know, moth and the flame you were created for both. And the question is, are you in the right relationship mm-hmm. in right relationship? They become what you were created for to be able to go into the darkness with fear, but to have courage because of what he has said and who you are in his story is to be inside of his name is to bear his name. Um, people have done it for all the years before us. And hopefully if we start to tell the true story, You'll start to see us do that more and more in the present moment because of whatever may happen in the future. Um, the other stuff, I mean, give us time. We'll walk through it. 
we would love to get to where we can take questions and answers and, and get to a teaching series. And all of that comes in number one time and relationship. So we just hope that you'll continue in the relationship of listening time being yes. what it takes to build these things out. And then when Mick goes through his mantra at the end, I mean, the fact that right now we're in a room and we're doing the best we can, but yes. we're doing something. Yeah. We're, I mean, we're trying. I mean, and I think that's the the whole thing that goes into it. But I mean, I do want to tell everyone at the same time too that there's a lot of things that we do want to get into, but it does take a lot of time to build them out. So a lot of the things that we're doing are like surface level conversations. It does get deeper, and it does does get complicated in a sense. But a lot of I can't tell you how many moments of clarity I've had though in going back and reading the scripture and stuff like that. Like now when I get to the parts where I'm reading stuff and I'm like, what does this have to do with anything? Well, I started reading them one, not too long ago. I started noticing the numbers. And when you look inside of the months and stuff like that, it was actually highlighting the, the plan of God and how he would put the temple inside of us. But it was inside of that language. It was almost like, like I, I could see it inside of there that the hidden meaning behind it, what, what you taking the information that I had already learned and applying it to this part of scripture began to see this is one story. This like, and there, there's, there's a part where it's telling about, and because we're on the, the, the backside of the scripture and having the complete scripture, we can go to it and read the old Testament and the new Testament. And when you get to do that, you get to see like, Hey, there's there's Christ being sent right there, and that's that's him saying he's going to put the desires in our heart. He's going to make us the temple. There that is. But if you're not going through those things and you're not putting yourself in a position to learn and also challenge what you have been taught before in, in the growth, one thing that you need to always remember is God is not afraid of your questions, and he is definitely, if you want to know, then you continue to ask, you continue to seek knock and the door will be open to you. That's, I mean, that's what I would say. I don't think if you're trying to understand God's story more so you can be a part of it and have more skin in the game and really make a difference, then guess what? You have to know the story and where it came from and ordering chaos. What, like you said today, that's my biggest takeaway is like trying to wrap my head around ordering chaos, existing light and dark, but not sinful. Like to like that's going to take me a long time to sit there and chew on, but there will be so many good questions that I have that will come from come from that and there used to be a point in time where I would be terrified of that. I would be terrified of having that question or that thought in my mind. I would automatically think it's sinful and I'm putting myself in a position that I'm opposing or standing against God when really I just have a question that I that I need God to teach me and show me so I can so I can grow in my relationship with him. That's the natural progression. But it's never been one of those things where it's like, God's like, you better not, you better not ask that question, son. I mean, that's, I don't think that that's the point. And I, I want to encourage people that it's okay to ask questions. And I guess. You can keep I, going. A lot of that we get with the things we've been taught, which is the spirit of man, not the spirit of God, just like, with Christmas and better not do that. I'm going to check the list twice and you're going to get coal if you didn't do what I told you to do. And I'm this imaginary man that's, you know, always just wanting to like 
not bring you gifts. Yeah. I only come every now and then, and right. I only come because you leave cookies and milk. And if you don't do that, I mean, that's even no, double I'm not, negative. I'm now, not coming to I'm not even specs. stopping now. It's like, okay, as a kid, when you were impressionable, God never said you couldn't do anything if you did it for the love of him and others. Hmm. So that, that, that gets really deep. So I, I guess what I, I, I would challenge or want people to hear is this. I love psychology. I, I love the study of the way God created our mind to work, to be able to learn and dissect and to dig because he wants you to think. That's why he created you to think. However, he doesn't want you thinking on your own. So then we've got philosophy, which is the study of the story. I mean, mm. what is the story? And, and God's like, oh, that would be me again. <laughs> and so when you take philosophy and you put psychology inside of it being about Yahweh. Right. And then Jesus Christ being the perfection of the mind, the spirit, and the relationship, the fullness. Okay, he, he was the pinnacle of philosophy he well he is the pinnacle of philosophy he is the pinnacle of psychology he is the answer that all of mankind has been trying to explain away we mm -hmm. call that psychology uh, we ideology psychology philosophy this the school of the study of I want theology to be right in that. I mean, I want that to be the umbrella for all of those things because God has prepared an answer and then invited you into what that means in a story. Mm. But you have to know your Old Testament theology. You have to know that he hasn't changed any of his expectations back there. And most of the time when you go to church, they're trying to teach you how to pretend. Mm. And pretending is hypocrisy. So... How do we take that 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 young heart and and put it on fire in the real story? Uh, the more and more we can do that, the 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 better and better the kingdom of God grows. Uh, right now, we're behind the eight ball because we've been pretending for a long time. In America, we've pretended so long that uh, secularism is now what our nation is built around. But the good news is. We've always grown in persecution. We've always grown at this time period. God starts to pour out his spirit and renews minds. Mm -hmm. And we get rid of the pretending that everything was okay right. because it's not okay. Right. Uh, becomes the most awesome story you could be part of because you're not part of the lie. Right. Uh, anyway, I, I, I know what I'm trying to say. I don't know that it's clearly being said, but we've opened up a big can, uh, well, I mean, I'm not, to, to me, like, piggybacking off of what you just said, I don't want to be, I don't want to be one of those believers. I don't want to do that. I don't want to, I don't want to be a part of, like, drive-through baptisms and stuff like that. I want, I want, I want the faith that I have to not be faith in faith. I want it to be the faith in the in my relationship with God and what he has done and what he's called me out of. That's, that's my desire, and that's, that's why I'm hungering and thirsting for righteousness. I mean, that's what, that's what that is. That's that I want to know because I want to know more about you and more about your story, God. That's what I, that's the desire that I have. And that's only something that he has given me. And 
yes, you are right. What we've done in America is, is we have treated, we've reversed them and flipped them around. We treat the secular as sacred and sacred as secular now. That's what, that's what we do. But if God gets more glory and he grows from that, then amen. And that's, that's the real, that's what we need to be pushing, pushing towards. Cause like you said, the kingdom of darkness, guess what? They're winning. You want to know why? Because people for a long time were told were told that they were eternally secure and they were eternally good and they didn't have to do anything else. We've created a lot of these problems and but at the end of the day, this is an eternal story. It goes on forever. It's going it's been going it was happening before I was born. It's gonna be happen happening after I'm I'm called back home. I mean, this is we have to be doing something and we cannot just continue to sit on the back row and go, I'm just waiting for him to come get me. And I definitely wouldn't say the kingdom of God, the kingdom of darkness is winning, but the kingdom of darkness is definitely growing. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I so, apologize. The gates of hell won't overcome it, and the victory is assured. However, it says wide and many are on the way of destruction because it's easy and you can make what is good evil and what is evil good by popular opinion because two thirds will agree with you. Right. The one-third is straight and narrow, and it's hard, and it's going to be hard from the beginning, and it's going to be overwhelming from the beginning because your goal is to get to know God, like the creator God <laughs> that has sent his son to die, and then the story is how are you going to die? Not are you going to die, how are you going to die, and will you trust me through the process? Mm. Um, the, the world is not caught God by surprise. The world no. is exactly where God knew it would be. The question is, are you willing to settle in, not be rattled, not call conspiracy what this people calls conspiracy, start to understand that your life matters. And then you look at the, you look at the gift, the, the spiritual gifts, you know, peace, patience, love, kindness, self-control. You know what all those take? Mm. Relationship mm -hmm. and time. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Worry and anxiety and, oh, my goodness, the sky's falling. Yeah. There goes your peace. There goes your patience. There goes your your long-suffering. There goes your... It, it's a lie. Right. The miracle is what happens when you leave here. The miracle is not to let you be here a little longer. Right. This is the separation. Yeah. Eternity has been secured. It looks... It's a fiction. It looks like it's outgrowing, but everybody that's in it is going to hell. Mm. There is no win there. The two-thirds that are bound are going to continue to be bound in their mind, their heart, and their soul for all of eternity, and that should break our heart. But they're not winning. They are losing. And for a long time, we have not cared about that. We'd rather care about making ourselves feel good because we're Christians and we're going to heaven. And I can't, right. I hope he comes back tonight and gets me. And, you know, then those dirty Jews will go through the tribulation and then we'll right. come back and we'll be like Jesus' right hand man. And then they'll be like us. Yeah. It's like, uh, I think that's kind of what Jesus was saying to the Jews about the Gentiles. Like, I don't know, right here in the New Testament. <laughs> but to be able to find your peace and your patience is to realize you have a story. It's God's story, and God gave it to you. Mm -hmm. So nobody can take it from you. That's right. And it's not built about your, it's not built in your identity in anything else or anyone else. Mm -hmm. 
So things can fail you. The chaos can enter. Yes. But it does not cost the order and the fulfillment. But you have to have the fulfillment in the order. Mm-hmm. Is that is that why Paul? Do you think well, this is interesting? Do you think that's why Paul was so confident when he said, "I would throw myself on the depths of of Sheol to to save all the other ones"? He was saying that I would make myself a sacrifice because I'm eternally secure because of the order where I find myself in the order of relation. I mean, I I don't know. I'm just kind of spitballing here. But no, it's not spitballing. I mean, that's exactly where I was at. Where I'm talking about Romans nine, which I mean. You either love it or you hate it, but that's, that's where he's talking about that, that it, you know, as I look around at my kinfolk, mm-hmm. I would give up my salvation for them, mm-hmm. but you know why he's secure? Cause that's not going to happen. Right. Number one, it's not his salvation. It's God's salvation. Right. And the only way that gift. you could see it is the gift has been received. Right. But what he's saying is it's breaking my heart, seeing all of those that think they're the people of God mm. that aren't, that have believed this lie. I would exchange the truth if all of them could see the lie. Mm. And and now he knows good and well as he says it, that's not how it works. Yeah. But because he knows how it works, it breaks his heart right. because he sees the truth of what's going on. And the right. sediment is, just like you were saying, I mean, can believers do this or that? We got to ask whether you're a believer. And now you could be a believer and be ignorant to many, many things. Mm. And that's in God's choice. And that's not even seek and save and not to judge. Right. But just like being salt mm-hmm. and the illustration that I've used, I mean, if I take 10 pounds of salt and America says that they're 78% Christian. Right. If I take 10 pounds of beef, yeah. ground beef, and I take 7.8 pounds of salt yeah. and I mix it up and say, who wants a hamburger? I don't. No, because there's so much salt that you wouldn't be able to eat it. Right. But we're eating a lot of hamburgers because we've got America and we say we're 78% believers, but we surely are not because we are a secular culture and we're not standing up against the things that continue to take away the truth of God. So the tithe is more like it, 10%. Right. But still, if you give me 10 pounds of beef and a pound of salt, Mm -hmm. it's still going to be more than the job Mm. and we're not doing the job. Mm. So. Whatever that means, it does mean that I've got my story. Yeah. I get to be thankful and content and learn to slow down finding my identity in anything that I was before I received the gospel. Hmm. And there's many people that have the gospel that are believers that have never come to that understanding because they're still trying to earn love and respect and success by things in this or people in this word world that continue to manipulate them by maneuvering year by year, decade by decade, mm-hmm. what it's really about. And it, it, when you're freed of that, it, it's about the gospel. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, anyway, I, tons and tons of thoughts. But yes, it's it it, It's Romans 9 where he says that. But if you go down, it's talking about this very thing that if you fall in love with him and you know, are you going to turn around and say, oh, Jacob, I loved Esau, I hated. I don't like that. I don't care. I'm God. Right. Yeah. So all the people with opinions can leave. Yeah. All right. Now, oh well, that's not the God that I would. That's the problem. It's not the God <laughs> that you. It, it is God. Like God. God. Like yeah. yeah God. Yeah. Yeah. God. Um. You know. So sometimes you have a boss, and you know the worst thing to do with a boss that's like the boss is to not listen to the boss when he's like got that one thing that pet peeve, and he comes in. It's like you're going to do this. Best thing to do is just do it. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend not doing it. When God is flexing and saying, no, no, Jacob, I love Esau, I hate it. It's a truth claim. Right. You believe it or not, 
Right. You make your choice. Right. You'll bear the consequences. Right. And rock on. Yeah. Right, 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 right. But it says, is there injustice on God's part? Well, no. Because God's already said, oh, no, no. I told Moses, I'll show mercy to who I want to show mercy. And I'll condemn whoever I want to condemn. Yeah. Because I happen to be God. <laughs> right? Prove it. I will. <laughs> Actually, I am. Yeah. Because I am <laughs> the right. great I am. I mean, right. and, and so when he throws down this gauntlet, you're like, okay, so I don't want to obey. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah. That, that right there yeah, is the right problem. There. there it is. Um, now, when you say, when you go back to that, that scripture, what if God created everything, I don't know, to reveal who he is? Mm, interesting thought. So then some things are created for dishonorable use, i.e. the chaos kingdom of darkness. Right. Some things are created in and of the kingdom of light for mm-hmm. honorable uses. Yeah. All right. So yeah. if I'm making some clay pots, yeah, yeah, yeah. I make two of them. I'm like, yep. All right. Go make a salad. I'm going to pee in this one. <laughs> Don't get them mixed up. <laughs> right. Love the illustration. Okay. But ultimately yeah. dishonorable use. Right. Does it still have a use? Is there a use for the chaos? Yes. 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 Yep. Still has a use. But I don't want to eat no salad out of it. No. Right? However, it's not about you. Right. You're going to have to put that to death. Mm. Which is tough. It's not easy. It's the hardest thing that I heard coming into the faith because I put yourself to death. Well, I'm the only self I got. How do I put myself to death? You've entered the gauntlet, my young petty one. (laughs) You've got to enter into that story, and you've got to ask God. And I don't care if you get out and you scream at him in the yard. He'll wait till you get tired, just like I, I mean, you can kick and scream in Walmart all you want. And until the cops come, I'll tell them what I think, too. But you're going to pitch your tantrum, but you'll get tired eventually. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. After you've cried your tears and after you've asked your questions and you realize he's never been a God that has withheld or he's a God of revelation. He's a God that wants you. You were created to know and be known by him. You fall in love, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Your experience starts to line up with what you know about and what you know about ends up with an experience that becomes part of his story. You start to actually catch some traction that, starts to build and it's a gift that God has given you, but it comes at a cost. And if you're not willing to pay the cost, go read Luke 14. If you're not willing to pay the cost, then don't call yourself a disciple because you're Mm. not learning. Mm. There's so many scriptures that we glaze over because we don't want to hear them. Right. If you find yourself doing that, that's a warning sign. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I I totally agree, but I mean, I think it goes back to what I was saying earlier, or I think I've said it on a earlier episode that, like, you know, I'm I misspoke when I was framing something, but also at the same time too, I don't hold myself too too bad because I'm still learning how to process mm-hmm. all of it. So yeah, a lot of it's going to come out jacked up, which I've you know we've said several times. The only the only way to get better at it is to do it. So, and that's what we were doing through these conversations, and I'm I'm willing to do that into say something you know that may not sound right or anything like that as i'm working through it but that's because my ultimate desire is to 
know more about the actual story that's going on. I've been living for a long time thinking, believing in the wrong, the wrong story basically. So yeah, guess what? There's a lot of things that I'm going to have to process. There's a lot of things that I'm going to say and mess up. But at the end of the day, what I'm, what I'm aiming for. Yeah. That's that, that, that comes, that comes through the, the territory. It comes as it's part of the process. It's part of, part of doing it. And as I get older, I'll get better at doing it. The more experience I have, but the last thing that I want to do is, like I said before, is sit back and just say, no, nah, I'm good with the theology that I got, because that's not the story. <coughs> that's not the story that I'm a part of anymore. And that's not where my identity is anymore. And I, that means going out and confronting that and, and challenging those presuppositions that I've had for a really long time. And having those relationships with you know people like yourself who are willing to walk and and then you know when you say stuff you're like yeah not that way but i mean i get what you're saying but but don't word it like that and you're like i'm like oh okay my bad <laughs> you know but at the same time too that's the growing part mm-hmm. that's the that's what that's what it's what it's all about at the end of the day yeah you're gonna mess up but i'm not afraid to mess up because i know what i where i'm trying to get to and that's the motive of your heart words of advice that Mick's already heard from me, write your theology in pencil. Yeah. Um, as soon as you think my theology is the theology and this is what it says, no, you're already wrong just because of that statement alone. <laughs> uh, to be a learner, disciple means you're going to continue to have to erase what you thought you knew to write it a little bit better or a little clearer or, or what. I read, and I probably read two-thirds of people I disagree with. Mm-hmm. But the only way I'm going to get other people's thoughts and the only way I'm going to get the fiction of what other people believe is by reading their truth claims. Mm. Not like I'm going to, oh, there it goes. I'm, I'm, I'm off in left field. No, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm secure in, in, in the truth of God. But to be like, sola scripture, all I'm going to do is read the Bible. Okay, so... You don't have any type of, uh, you know, strong concordance or Greek or Hebrew. Nope. Nope. Okay. So you have an English translation and you're basing all of what you read on your reading by yourself all the time. So you've got your version of God from your translation that you know is God and you Um. are pious and love nothing more than being right in your religion. What what good is that? Yeah. That's why God has said, well, go out and be among yes. so that you learn how to take the truth of who I am to be able to hear new questions that you've never thought of, to be able to apply those to your heart yeah. as an altar first yeah. and say, okay, Lord, I know that I failed here and here, but I also, I've never thought about this. Yeah, God, can you show me about that? And it yeah. I can take things that I disagree with and God show me manifold lessons of the truth of who he is mm. because I took someone's worldview, stance, question, answer, but I love God and I love the person and I'm going to go back and share what I learned. But I, in my heart, I totally believe the Holy Spirit's already secured me. Like I actually have assurance. Like, yeah. like even if I'm a moron, yeah, yeah. I was a moron when he invited me. Well, I'm still a moron, but yeah. But I'm not the moron I was. Amen. Absolutely. So it's not like a 
moron free card. Just stay a moron. That's not the point either. <laughs> Dang it, man. <laughs> no. Renounce everything in this world to be my disciple. Right. It's the end of Luke 14. I love Luke 14. Read it. It cost of discipleship. But ultimately, he says, you're going to have to learn to hate what's wrong in your mother and your father and your children and your own heart to be able to learn what's right. Mm. All right. So then it says that you have to pick up your cross and follow me. Deny yourself. Not about you. Right. Pick up your cross. Birth date, death date, feet in this world, heavenly bound. Mm-hmm. And follow him kind of, that's what jesus did right but it says so that you don't start building a story without thinking of the end right and run out of the ability to get there mm. um how about god's the ability god's already made a way yeah. and i've entered into the finished work of christ yeah oh but don't there's a enemy that's twice as you're you know, as twice as big as you three times bigger than you yeah. you either need to come to terms with how you're going to defeat them or send someone to you know be your delegate to make amends hmm the armies of the world and the armies of god hmm I wonder i think i've come up with a way to defeat the armies of the world i, I yeah. think that uh yeah i so i'm pretty secure in that mm-hmm. and god sent me as a delegate to right. tell them that uh, you guys are going to lose. <laughs> I mean, you really don't want to do this. I mean, let's have some conversations along the way. Right. So instead of me begging the world to find my approval, right. I should be begging the world to return to God's. Mm, amen. And renounce the things of this world. Not, I can't have the things of this world, but I don't find my identity in them. I don't find value in them. I don't find eternity in them. I don't find what I could find if I was spending my time, energy, mind, and heart in other places that are available at this point, there are too many tools for you to say, nope, just moron, can't learn. I don't care if you need audiobooks. I don't care if you need to search internet. I don't care yeah. if, I mean, just start disciple, start learning. Right. And then if you're around, you know, our, our area in, inside, you know, the, Hartwell, Elberton, Royston, Georgia area, you know, we have a church that we go to, Cedar Creek. We would, you know, love for you to be a part of it and all that. And then for those that are really far off, that's what this platform is for. That's what this is all about. So you have the invitation there. You know, if you're under the sound of our voice, you have the, you have the invitation. We have plenty of stuff that we would be willing to recommend that that we've read before and we'll have conversations with you because that's the the whole, the whole point of this journey is to know our maker in a more, in a newer way and more in depth and be more versed in his word and more versed in the understanding of where we are inside of the chaos and the order and how all these things work together and and it is beautiful and I'll go ahead and tell you now I I am the dumbest person that I know but even I know that there's too much information at my disposal for me to, and with God on my side and brothers and sisters beside me, there's, there's no excuse anymore. It's, it would be willful ignorance and we don't, I I don't want to be that way. And I don't want my other brothers and sisters to be that way either. And the only way we're going to do it is by rolling up our sleeves and doing it. And we hope that you find encouragement inside of, 
our conversations. And in, in, I hope and pray that you find encouragement inside of your struggle right now to be able to take that and bring it to God and say, give, give the chaos in my life that order and that purpose that I so, so much am longing for and have been warring against forever with everything else going on inside of the world. And I need, I need a purpose that surpasses all of that. And that's who God is. He is the purpose that surpasses everything because he is the eternal creator and the father of all. And he has given us every opportunity. He's given us his son who came and did it perfectly and set the example for us to conform into his image through the power of his Holy Spirit, which is the mind of God. So we have the tools and the opportunity and everything available to us. And we're just encouraging you to step into that, step out in faith and to walk by faith and not by sight. Is there anything else that you would like to say before we close out? A couple of t-shirts I love, and I know there, there's a message behind them <laughs> that I'm not really supporting the message, but I do love the, the logo. Right. And that's uh, Embrace the Suck. Yeah, definitely. All right. All right. And then I know that's a Marine thing, and I, trust me, I'm not trying to, like, get anybody shot. Yeah, no stolen valor here. We're just, right. No, exactly. Yeah, just yeah, like yeah, the yeah. shirt. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I like the motto. It's a good motto. Yeah, it's a good motto. Um, and, and then, ultimately, uh, nobody cares. Work harder. <laughs> You know, so, uh, you know, if, if it's it, so true, though. And, 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 yeah, I mean, because if you think somebody caring is going to change you, it I promise it doesn't. It doesn't. And, and like, if you're like, I don't know how to cut 20 pounds. Well, look at your nutrition, get more active. And uh, there's a design, you know, you, you can do those things. Well, I think that he should just no, no, nobody cares. Work harder. <laughs> so when it comes to your spiritual growth, uh, nobody, nobody cares. cares. Work harder yeah. because it's eternal eternally beautiful and important amen um so with that said the only thing i can share is the story and the process that god has allowed me to be part of i met an older gentleman brother in christ at the very beginning of my journey the first church i went to and he gave me two pieces of advice that were was my beginning and here they are first you need to know the history 300 years before Christ and 300 years after Christ to know what Christ was talking about. Hmm. So those are going to be, guess what? During the 400 years of silence that have been kept away from you on purpose. Mm -hmm. And then there are going to be the 300 years of the argument before the Catholic church took over and taught you what you think, you know, so there's, there's 600 years that you've never been taught. Congratulations. Yes. Just woke you up to that. And, and, and so when, when he showed me that, I was like, Oh my goodness. All right, all right, that's beautiful. That'll get you started. The second nugget that he taught me was, all right, if you'll read three books on any one subject, you'll be 80% smarter than everyone you talk to. And it's like, mm. okay, three books on one subject. Okay, but here's the point in that. And he, and, and he was absolutely right. I'll stand side by side with him. If I read one book on something, I have an author's opinion. Yes. All right, if I read two books, I have a conversation. Yes. I have Two opinions that are now in conversation yeah. through my filter. Right. But if I read three books, I've got three opinions, but mm. they all have to be handling the one subject that I'm reading about. Remember, you Correct. three books on one subject. Now, if I'm reading on justification mm -hmm. and I read three different authors, hopefully from different time periods, that's up to you. You'll learn how to get better if not. But even if you grab like, all I read is Calvin. All right. So take Calvin and two other Calvinists and, and read on justification. They're still going to have opinions because you got different authors writing the book. Right. All right. Now, when you have that, you're going to have things they had to deal with, which is your common red thread. 
when we look at justification, we got to know what the word means. Yes. When we look at justification, how has it been applied throughout time? Right. Did John Calvin kill people who didn't agree with him? Yes. Yes, he did. So, I mean, when, when you start to go through there and you read it, John Calvin had to be like, and this is why I killed him. Right. And, and, and then this other guy's like, yeah, yeah, he killed him. But, you know, you know, they deserved it. And then there's another guy like, I don't know if he deserved it, but he did kill him. All right. But either way, we do know that he killed him because everybody has to cover that that part of right. the, the truth of that story. Yeah. Um, and please, people have been killing people for all kinds of things. That doesn't have anything to do with anything other than. You're reading for that common thread of truth that the Holy Spirit will say, that has to be addressed. That has mm, to be that's addressed. Good. So once again, with everything that was taught through the Protestant Reformation, um, we went from the Catholic Church saying it was all about works and doing Hail Marys to it doesn't matter what you do, it's by faith alone. And so it's whether or not you think you have faith. Okay, so we went from all f- works, no, no, that's wrong, to all feelings and thoughts. I feel like unbelief. I made a commitment that I agree with God. <laughs> I don't know if that's justification, though. I don't. You might. You might want to read three books because that I feel justified. Yeah. Yeah. So does you know Jeffrey Dahmer? Or, you know, I, I don't know. I, oh I, man. Anyway, with that said, when you're reading, you're reading in right relationship with God to then learn the common truth that has to be handled to where you don't end up with a killing spirit over the things you know are right, Hmm. because that doesn't lead anywhere. And it stains all of the beautiful things that you did do Hmm. because he did many, many beautiful things. Now, what are those beautiful things? Well, then he built out this understanding of God and he built out this understanding of God and they become part of your filter. But all three of them had to deal with those things because you don't want to build your filter on man's opinion. You want to build your filter on God's revealed history mm. through those opinions to where I don't put my faith in anyone other than Yahweh through the finished work of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit made known in whatever it is that I'm reading about right now or whatever it is that I'm asking about right now. Yeah, Build your filter mm-hmm. and then start conversations and yeah, you're going to be bad at it. Yeah, absolutely. But you can get better every time. Yeah. And and that's what, that's what encourages me. I mean, I do get a little bit better every single time. May not notice it, but I'm getting better every single day. And that's... I love the Institute of Religion and I've read, I, 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 I am not against John Calvin for everyone that is mad at no, me now. I, mean, I think you're just using him as an example. He has allowed himself to be used as an example. And any godly man that you use is going to have weaknesses because they're not God. Is Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Hopefully everyone understands that. But we thank you for joining us today on the podcast. We hope that you have taken away information that will help you and challenge what you believe for the benefit of growing in your walk with God. If you would like to support the ministry, you can join us uh, on Patreon. It is patreon.com slash faith fleshed out. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at faith fleshed out. If you have any questions or comments or want to get involved with uh, the ministry, contact, contact us at our email at faithfleshedout at gmail.com. That is faithfleshedout at gmail.com. Once again, thank you for joining us. We love y'all. Do me a favor. Say bye, Eric. Bye, Eric. All right, we'll see y'all next time.